Hello, my name is TJ and I'm one of the voices behind the Geek Sweat podcast. This is a special message regarding the next episode which is being recorded out of sequence during the coronavirus lockdown in the UK. Now, in response to the government daily briefings and general health and safety requirements for the pandemic, the Geek Sweat podcast team are practicing social distancing for this recording in an attempt to create new segments and continue sessions from our respective homes via a joint video call while we aim to minimize the risk and the spread of the infection from COVID-19. As such, we are working in the absence of our esteemed sound engineer, Giovanni Bastianello, aka Neo Geo, and we hope that you can bear with us and any changes in the audio quality from what you may be accustomed to earlier. Thank you for listening. We hope you enjoy the episode. Welcome to the Geek Sweat Podcast. We We watch watch films to save you hassle. It's another podcast with a filmmaking twist just for you. I am TJ and we will be bringing you hot topics in the film industry, inspiration interviews with IMDb listed filmmakers, review sweat on online series as a stream, trailer talk on upcoming feature films and cult TV perspectives on classic shows worth revisiting. Between your ears and our voices, we take this opportunity to make the most of our podcast technology from CastBox a new app that's available via Android for your podcast and entertainment needs. It's the one-stop shop for taking your podcast on the go. Hello and welcome to another episode of Geek Sweat, the podcast and review series for film and TV. We are talking cult TV, now cult film, review sweat, hot topics, trailer talk, inspiration interviews and review sweat. Today is a review sweat series. Uh, We're doing this in the lockdown and we are recording live from the houses of each of the presenters. So today I am joined by Stephen Coates. Hello, hello. And Jamie. Hello, hello everyone. We're recording from behind our own closed doors. So how are you guys doing? in your version of the lockdown at the moment? Um, um, I keep buying books. I can't seem to stop. <laughs> it's the only thing I can do. <laughs> I have so many now. Yeah, um, yeah, that's goal ridiculous. So I have to kind of stop buying books. Cause I, you know, it's a sat hill day and you just kind of, you know, and as you're kind of surfing yeah. around the internet and you just kind of, oh, that might be an interesting book. And, you know, and then books just keep arriving. Is it so, a specific genre you're getting into? Sorry, well, I've got a number of different, I've just bought um, the HP Lovecraft, like his complete works. Oh, wow. And then a book about um, Akhenaten, the um, the rebel Egyptian pharaoh. Yeah, okay. Yeah, and also um, the history of witchcraft and um, yeah. Oh, that sounds interesting. <laughs> yeah. yeah, not sinister at all. I want to say something about the HP Lovecraft thing, though. Did you know that J.J. Abrams and Jordan Peele have done a collaboration to do a series called Lovecraft Country, which is supposed to be like a 1950s-style racial tension road movie? I think it's two or three black friends have to go and rescue somebody in uh, like oh, the American Midwest. <laughs> well, it's the, it's the American Midwest. Uh, is it the American Midwest? Or it's somewhere in like deep South America, they've got a drive through But this particular state is covered with all of the monsters from H.P. Lovecraft stories. So oh, they're, they're, kind of, they're all set in Massachusetts, really, aren't they? Yeah, I yeah, mean, yeah. New England, I think, yeah. Oh, the Lovecraft stories. Yeah, yeah, basically, yeah. Uh, 
I didn't know that. And it's, um, it's interesting you should say what the subject of that drama is because, of course, Lovecraft was a terrible, terrible racist. Wow. Well, he got less racist as he got older and, and his defenders like to say, well, he got better as he got older. He was yeah. still a bit racist, but he was nowhere near as bad as he used to be. Yeah, he must have probably worked out how much being racist was affecting his sales. So he had to kind of broaden his market a little bit. Mm. Uh, but the thing is, um, like, H.P. Lovecraft is obviously sci-fi and uh, we're going to try and do a sci-fi review of a series. Um, so today I'd like to introduce something called Devs, which is a tech company word short for development. And it's a story about a computer engineer who investigates the secretive development division in her company, uh, which she believes is behind the disappearance of her boyfriend. So this is an... Uh, an American-based production, but believe it or not, some of the scenes were recorded in Manchester, United Kingdom, and they include the talents of someone called Sonoyoya Mizuno, who is the lead role, and she was um, an actor in the film Ex Machina, which was directed by this show's creator, Alex Garland. And something from left field, you've got Nick Offerman, who's more famous for being in a TV series uh, called Parks and Recreation uh, as the character Ron Swanson. So, Jamie and Stephen, have either of you heard of Devs before? No, I haven't, and I haven't seen it, I have to admit. So, no. Okay. I know nothing about it. And how about yourself, Stephen? Yes, I've watched a, f- a few episodes, yes. Oh, cool. So Alex Garland, just to put it into context, he is an English novelist, a screenwriter, producer and director, and he's most famous for being a writer on the sci-fi Never Let Me Go in 2010, uh, 28 Days Later in 2002, and Annihilation in 2018, and he was a writer-director of Ex Machina, um, or Ex Machina, I'm not sure if I'm pronouncing it correctly. Um, also, also wrote the novel The Beach. Oh, The Beach. The one yeah, the that novel. had... He wrote the novel. The one that was um, turned into ruined. a film by Danny Boyle. Yeah, ruined <laughs> by Danny Boyle, yeah. You know, That's... as a side note, I just want to say one thing. Ewan McGregor was originally touted to do the lead on that role but I think they were only going to get eight million dollars for the budget and then Danny Boyle chose Leonardo DiCaprio because the budget would have gone up to 25 million and yeah. Hugh McGregor and Danny Boyle fell out for a couple of years over that well yeah but I mean in the novel um the main character he doesn't get together with the girl yeah and then <laughs> but then Leonardo, Leonardo DiCaprio yeah. is um is is drafted in and suddenly yeah he gets to go Love that annoyed me a lot yeah, yeah. <laughs> I think that that's a carryover from his Titanic days that he has to have a love yeah. interest in the story yeah. um, well the centre of this story is kind of a love interest and also a love obsession so um, in the story Devs um, episode one picks up in this kind of curious forest which has um these kind of halo beams around these trees. And we don't really understand why 
um, the electricity and the nature coincides so closely like that until we discover later that the somewhere in the middle of the forest or in the middle of the woods, there's this seek, almost seek, semi-secret kind of development base where a supercomputer is hovering off the ground inside of a magnetic field. So Forrest, which is played by Nick Offerman, is, I would say, he's probably the equivalent of a, a tech giant stroke genius, probably on the level of an Elon Musk or um, a Mark Zuckerberg, where he's got... Oh, well, one of, one of the characters says he isn't a genius, he's an entrepreneur. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That, that's an interesting point you make as well. So in the beginning, he looks like he's some kind of genius, but he's, as the, the series develops, you realise he's just a guy with a lot of money employing a lot of intelligent people to do his bidding. So he's a bit more like Steve Jobs in, in that respect, I suppose. A visionary. A visionary, but with an obsession, because um, I don't want to say too much, but the character... How much are we allowed to um, say about it? The thing is, I don't want to spoil it too much, because we've got Jamie, Jamie on board. But yeah, I, I, yeah. we can say he's experienced a loss that he's trying to, um, he's trying to rectify. And he's obsessed about this loss that happened early in his life and before the story starts. So what you realise um, in this story is that Devs is not so much a separate division in his tech company, but it's kind of his personal mission to do something to rewrite history almost in his it's, own it's, life. It's weird well, in the first episode, I, I got the impression it might be something to do with that giant girl statue. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> there, 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 there is a weird kind of element to this sci-fi because um, I think strong female characters are related in, in um, this story, which I'll try and explain in a bit. But uh, yeah, there's a, a massive, I'd have to say it's an 80 or 60 foot doll which is kind of stretching towards the skyline outside of the um, a gigantic of the statue of a little girl. It would be a totem for paedophiles from all around the area. Yeah, yeah. There, and, uh, <laughs> yeah, it, it, it is kind of weird because yeah, there is this element of um, seeing this like massive uh, statue of a girl poking out the top of a forest with her hands uh, raised skyward, looking downwards. And so there's an element of um, just unhealthy. I think I think that that looks towards um, the unhealthy obsession in the story, and it's kind of um, disproportionate. But um, one thing I wanted to say about this uh, film, I think, um, or TV series, which is shot in a film-like way, it should, it should have been a film. It could have been a film. I think it should, uh, have, I, been, it should have been a film. It's way it's, they haven't got enough for, for eight episodes. Well, I, I've got a theory about why it, it, it could have been a film, but I, I, it's a, and it's all in the title, which I'll ex, ex, we'll explain later. But um, okay. yeah, this 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 series, um, which has Lily Chan as the protagonist, who is a kind of a moderate tech worker who, with a Russian boyfriend, who gets a kind of a promotion to work in devs. And he ends up spending like a day and a night working in the inside the project before he he tries to leave and he mysteriously disappears. And um, the, the the main story is about the girlfriend trying to understand why the boyfriend 
has gone missing after working in such a prestigious part of the company. Now, the way I saw it is um, the way they tried to present Lily Chan is there is an element of uh, this kind of thin, waif-like... Androgynous. Um, androgynous, yeah, cybernoid, which um, I think... I've seen this character before in fil- in a animation series like Elf and Lied, Ghost in the Shell, uh, as in The Colonel, and... Um, uh, serial experiments lane and all of these shows are uh, kind of like about the idea of um, uh, artificial intelligence um, being uh, symbiotic if that's the right word with human beings or human life through observation and collecting big data so I think there's an element of Alex Garland is definitely trying to trace the footsteps of some sci-fi series that you know as well and I think that on a more wider stretch, there's a kind of um, a reference to Ripley in um, Alien because Sigourney Weaver in most of the Alien series, she nearly always ends up in her underwear and a white skinny T-shirt or vest. Yes, and there Lily spends a lot of time in her pants. Yeah, so, so there, there seem to be... It, I wouldn't... If this was an anime, they would have called it fan service in terms of seeing the near nudity of one of the main characters quite a lot. But I feel there's some of it is justified because um, the nudity that Lily Chan has in the series has a lot to do with her either being incarcerated in a relationship or in this kind of transitionary state of being conscious to being awake which is quite an important part of the story because um, the, the machine that um, is being made at Devs, which is part of a bigger company called Amaya, which is the name of uh, Forrest. The giant girl. Daughter. Yep, the girl. Perhaps um, it's the giganticism that, that caused her death. The giganticism. Yeah, they couldn't <laughs> feed her anymore. Yeah. Like, yeah. too much food. Yeah, <laughs> I mean... it. We shouldn't mistake um, devs with the show um, Honey, I Shrunk, Honey, I Blew Up the Kids. But the, um, the, the child is very important. But the, um, I think the computer, um, so what's above ground is important, but what's below ground is as important because the computer that's being created in devs has so much uh, capacity. Um, it's actually telling the story of free will versus determinism. Pardon me. So, um, Jamie, I wanted to kind of bring you back in because I know you haven't said much for a bit. Uh, do you ever think about free will and determinism in sci-fi or how it affects, like, films and TV? At all? Well, <laughs> if, if Terminator is anything to go by, mm. <laughs> it's yeah. kind of like, when you think about artificial intelligence, how far does that intelligence go? Sure. Because because I'm, I'm, I'm in the sciences and we have a saying that it's not the analyzer that's gone wrong. It's mm. someone has done something to it, sure. if you know what I mean. So yeah. from that perspective, it's like, well, okay, um, the computer, the analyzer, whatever, the machine – will only do what it's been programmed to do. So it's a human error. It's a human 
um, you know, um, calls. Is that because the computer is like a conduit? So yeah, you, well, yeah, I suppose you could say that. Yeah, so it's only going to do what someone tells it to do. Yeah. But we're going into, a, I, I think it sounds like we're going into an, an beyond that with AI, you know, becoming more human. Is, is that yeah. where this is going toward? Uh, so that's this is, interesting, yeah. Or, yeah. you know, so, so I, you know, and, and then you kind of like, Terminator, you know, because they've got yeah. minds of their own, right? They're yeah, still yeah, yeah. kind of machines, but they've got minds of their own. I, I couldn't tell you if, if that's a, you know, something that we will realise in our lifetime. I, I couldn't mm. tell you. I, I, yeah. I don't think it would go like that. Though. But yeah, but even then, it's like, well, fifty mm. years ago, would we have ever thought that we would have mobile phones? Yeah, yeah, no. yeah. You know what I mean? But, I mean, the thing with robots, and the thing is, the wheel start to upgrade ourselves with the technology rather than um, actually build Android. So we become the Android. We'll start like replacing cycles. more of our, yeah, we'll be replacing more of our body parts with technology. Yeah. And that will become, so that combination of us, our brain, but also the computing yeah. power of a kind of, yeah. you know, computer yeah. so, kind of in our so let's, let's terminate a more like Robocop. Uh, yeah, yeah, <laughs> and really, we 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 cannot say in fifty years, a hundred years, two hundred mm. years, which way it will go. Yeah. It's more likely to go through go to the RoboCop way, yeah. if you don't You know, humans becoming more um, mechanized. Yeah. Um, but the idea of AI becoming more humanized, I don't know. I mean, like you can program it to exhibit human emotion mm. but i don't think you could say that they actually experience human emotion if that makes mm. sense so yeah. it can be programmed to you know look sad it can be programmed to look happy it can be programmed to mm. do this and that but as for them actually connecting to that emotion and being affected by it yeah unlikely i would say but you you never know. I mean, mm. technology. You know, <laughs> you know, you know. There, there was a time when you know, when you think about, you know, all this genetic modification and stuff like that. You know, um, you know, cloning, that kind of mm. stuff. You'd, you'd never think it was possible, but yes, it is. It's been yeah. happening for the past, you know, two or three decades. Cloning. So, mm. but, well, um, Christian Slater and Jack Nicholson. <laughs> <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Um, so, so what, what I want to say, or Christian Bell and Gareth Bell, but um, what I was going to say is, um, in my opinion, I feel that when it comes to storytelling and sci-fi, there seems to be two things that happen in film and TV, which is artificial intelligence becoming self-realising and then trying to self-perpetuate for its own survival, or artificial intelligence becoming the tool of some kind of corruptive power or force. So. I'd say in version one, you've probably got something like, um, I don't know, a TV series like Humans. And in version two, you've probably got something like the film Minority Report, for example, where that was about predicting the future by 10 seconds or 10 minutes, as it were, to kind of pick out criminals. Um, the interesting thing about devs is it's going along the line that the, there's an underlying belief by Forrest and a couple of his um, closest cohorts that 
everybody's lives are pre-planned or predetermined for them. And the computer that he's creating is basically um, absorbing all of the data that ever existed about everything. And it's doing mathematical calculations to the point that it can clearly identify how things happened in the past. But mm. they make a new discovery that it's possible with all of the data that this computer can contain, it's starting to make calculations towards the future as well. Right, so and it's working on algorithms and stuff like that to predict the future. Exactly. Magic. Movie computer science, that's what it works on. <laughs> Movie computer science, yeah. So, Mindset doesn't really work, except in the movies. <laughs> yeah, it doesn't, it doesn't really work at all, but uh, I mean, as far as we know, but yeah, for the premise of this show to work, that is the caveat. Yeah. So, so what we have is, um, I think it's a, more of a paranoid sci-fi thriller where we, don't, we just don't know what's going on behind certain closed doors. And there's this idea that there's a laissez-faire workplace, which is, it's clearly like modelled on a kind of a Google or a Facebook-styled environment. But the idea is that this workplace has its own set of people who are really there for corporate espionage, as well as um, sinister uses for the eventual outcome of the technology. So that's why I mentioned um, the... Shows like Ghost in the sorry, Ghost in the Shell, Serial Experiments Lane, and Elf and Live because it has that kind of um, uh, uh, paranoid detective thriller style story to it. I mean, did Stephen? Did it remind you of any particular film or series you might have seen before? Oh yeah, I mean, I mean, one of my problems is that everything looks the same today. Everything's yeah. <laughs> definition. Everything. You know, there's no real kind of <laughs> everything seems the same. Um, but it's, what did it remind me of? It reminded me of um, I don't know. Just kind of it's. Can I just can I give my opinion a bit instead? Yeah, and, go for it. Go for it. Go for it. Um, I felt like it kind of didn't have the guts to go through with it. I mean, it, it was so. I think it must be thought of as some sort of philosophical TV series. Yeah. But it's not really. It does. I mean, it is about determining the, 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 <clears throat> determinism. Or would you rather yeah. say quantum computing? Is that easier? Yeah, but I mean, <laughs> that's just. Yeah. Uh, I mean, that, the whole thing, that the whole storyline is very, very simple. I mean, without giving too much away, it's about one character trying to see if he could have done anything to stop something bad happening. That's yeah. the whole motivation behind it, and. Yeah. Um, uh, and it's interesting. I mean, determinism, determinism is yeah. is weird because I mean, if 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 determinism is true, which it seems to be in this, yeah. then that means yeah. that I mean, there's no such thing as morality. Yeah. I mean, because the, I mean, uh, or you know, choice, you know, I do bad thing or choice. There's no such yeah. thing as morality. There's no such thing as um. You know, Hitler isn't. You know, he just did what he was supposed to do. You know, it was his path like to do it. That's what they so said, it's, yeah. it's kind of, it's kind of, I mean, it really is just a full experiment, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. You can't really, put, I mean, there's no way of actually proving that, that we have no free will. Mm. So it's just a full experiment, what, you know, and can we... Would you say the TV it? series, would, sorry to interrupt, but would you say the TV series was a full experiment? Well, this TV series? Yeah. Um, 
Well, I mean, it just it gets bogged down in this like the Lily Chan storyline. Now, first of all, I've got no problem with her acting. I've I've read a bit, I've uh, seen some episodes, and people have really been quite rude to her. And really? she plays, yeah, yeah. And she, I mean, she, she's quite a subdued actor. But then mm. most of the actual actors in it are as well. So that doesn't seem so. I just want to just put a stick up for her a little bit there. But her whole storyline is just a little bit redundant because. We already know what she's going to find out because we already know what's happened. Yeah. So, so she has no idea what um, Nick Offerman's character, uh, what's he called, Forrest. Yeah. I mean, she's only just, well, as I'm watching, Jenny just found out what Devs does. So yeah, yeah. we spent all this time watching her and stuff. And it's mm. just been a bit, yeah, I know what you're going for. Whereas they've got this whole kind of thing about determinism and about kind of, you know, what, 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 you know, there's so many ideas. I mean, okay. not, I, I couldn't write it because it's a very complicated thing. And I, I would, yeah, bulk at, uh, writing something like this, but someone clever could something that actually deals with determinism and actually makes yeah. the program about it rather than just this weird little f- kind of thriller, which is kind of diverting. <laughs> I mean, I'm going to finish it, I'm going to finish yeah. it because I'm on like episode six now, I think. Yeah. And, yeah, you know, I might as well see what happens, but I just feel like it's a wasted opportunity and they could have. Explore it. Might, it should have been a bit weirder, a bit kind of, yeah. a bit less. It seems to have done its job though, because I mean, like if you're on episode six and you want to carry on watching it, at least you haven't turned it off, yeah. right? Yeah. Oh no! So, if I, if I didn't have it. to do this, if I didn't have to do this, <laughs> I'd have probably given up. I'd have probably yeah. given up after two or three. Yeah. But I thought I'd better give it a good go. But, and now but, I need to see how it finishes. Now, obviously. Yeah, and you need to see how many more times Lee Chan ends up in her underwear. But the um the thing but is also I, I mean there's also a thing about kind of is there some sort of Christian subtext going on here? Ah, that's very interesting. Um, because they, they have to um the first thing they find in history to look at is Jesus on the cross. Yeah. I, I I don't know how they did that. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I'm yeah. not a com- magic um, movie science computer person. Yeah. But that that just seems like how the hell can you pinpoint exactly where Jesus was at what particular time? That just ah, seems. I don't know is, how. The, the thing is, the what they and how would you locate that? I yeah. mean that. I think what they what they're trying to say is um, they're feeding a lot of information and data into the computer. So yeah. the computer is assen- effectively creating what would be a simulation based yeah. on the data that it receives. But the more data that it receives, the more accurate the simulation was or the more accurate the approximation is of the simulation so the idea is that the 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 machine is growing with the more input and information that it has as it goes along time so my science my science head could not get my i mean my non-science head could not get my head around that i mean yeah yeah. and and they had had camera movements you know yeah (laughs) (laughs) well the thing the thing is i think I remember there was Elon Musk had said in a conference once that he believes, I think somebody asked him if they, if, if we were living in a simulation and he yeah. answered the question in a very non-committal way, but he was open to the idea that we could be living in a simulation. And if it was true, we wouldn't know about it and we wouldn't know about it for a long time because we wouldn't have the, we haven't created the tools to prove that we live yeah, in a simulation. Yeah. But um I but think the, other, the other thing is that um, Nick Offerman's character doesn't yeah. believe in, in the multiverse. Yeah. Even though within the show it's proved that there is a multiverse, yeah. he still the doesn't thing, believe. I, think, the, I don't get is, that bit. I, I, think, I think the character is not supposed to believe in the multiverse because he wants one 
specific outcome, which has he nothing wants, to do with the rest of our his daughter. He wants to see his daughter from this exact timeline, yeah. not any alternative universe. Yeah. And I think that's what he's that's why his character stops become stops becoming scientific or stops becoming a genius because he's obsessed about this specific subjective outcome for himself to the but, point where he, you know, he ends up sacking other people and even yeah. responsible for the execution of other people. His sacking of Lyndon is yeah. completely insane. Even if he did, <laughs> even if he did kind of shame Maltiver. I mean, it's, it's, I mean, I say she, yeah. but it's yeah. actually, you know, that's an actual, that's a, that's a, a female actor playing so, the boy. Yeah. Which adds to the androgyny. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. I mean, that's quite cool. I mean, it was weird. I was watching and thinking, and but my subtitles were calling her her, and yeah. then other bits were calling her him, and then I yeah. got very confused. I had to Google the actress. But the thing is, Stephen, isn't but why, why sack her? She still has that, or he, sorry. Well, yeah. he, the character, still has that intelligence. You know, yeah. Just because... They demonstrate something that he didn't want to see. Doesn't mean yeah. that they should be sad. I mean, that's completely fucking stupid. See, see, now you're you're on the inside now. So yeah, the, I mean, I think it was the one of the best ways to show the kind of insanity and the uh, kind of insular and irrational behaviour and lots of other words we can apply of of Forrest because he had lost complete perspective of what it is that he was doing. But the, I think it's good that you identified the androgyny as well because um, the, the story does slowly build up the idea of simulation and how, how effective it is in timelines and multiverses. So this idea that characters are not exactly who they're supposed to be or characters um, well, you, you reveal themselves that. to be different things depending on what pathway that they tread. You say that, but when, when, I, when I Googled and realised it was, it was a female actor playing a, a male character, suddenly I realised if perhaps Lily Chan's character was meant to be a man, then I started okay. staring at her pants more, trying to wear a character. <laughs> 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 yeah. Uh, so, yeah. The thing is, I always thought that Lily Chan's character was, and I think this was because she's in the film Ex Machina as well, is that she's more of a robot. And she's more, um, how can I say? She's supposed. To, I think she's supposed to physically look like and behave like and move like a cyborg. But the decisions that she makes, um, I think there's a line in the film where um, one of the characters who's Forrest's confidant, I think it's um, Katie, played by Alice Pill, um, she says... Oh, I really admire Lily because she knows or something like she knows what she she mustn't do, but she goes ahead and does it anyway. So I think the Lily Chan character is supposed to be one of the few characters in the story that represents free will, even though okay. it's a world dominated by determinism and people that she interacts with tend to do things out of free will. If they're left on their own, these characters kind of go out and do their cyclical routines and behaviours. But if you if you look at her story and timeline and the characters you interact with her, there's a lot of characters who are making decisions that they wouldn't normally do because of her. 
So she's bringing yeah, free will that, out of the other characters in the story as well. But that, but that's still not free will. That's still that would happen anyway because that's how it, what happened. But that's the argument, isn't it? <laughs> but the, 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 the um, I mean, the things that I liked about the series as well. I mean, cinematography is great. Um, if anyone, oh, yeah, I mean, it looks, it looks lovely. But yeah. it, everything looks lovely now. Yeah, I, I mean, if, 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 I want to see lo-fi. I want to see lo-fi kind of. Yeah, well, the thing is, the, <laughs> want to see I'm, pixelation? Yeah. yeah. Yeah, I mean, it can't be helped seeing it. I bikes. <laughs> but, but one thing I want to say was there was a film um, that came out called Upstream Colour, which I'm just going to try and find out who the, um, the director for that was. But this, is, this fits into a kind of um, a lowbrow, mumblecore-styled sci-fi, where it's not about um, CGI so much. And big explosions. Oh yeah, and spaceships like, um, going into places. That time travel film is it? Looper. Looper. Yeah. Looper. Um, Looper is the time travel film, but the guy who directed Primer gave advice to Shane Carruth, who directed Primer and Upstream Colour, gave advice. Which is the lo-fi to... one where they actually go into the details of actually time travel and what it would involve, and say, they actually do it, and it gets the... very, very confusing. Yeah. Yeah, give me a sec. So I'm saying Quantum that... Quantum Leap was there first. Right. <laughs> right. So the, what I'm saying is the cinematography of um, of Devs is quite similar to Upstream Colour, which came out in 2013, okay. which was directed by Shane Carruth. And Shane Carruth kind of specialises in kind of lo-fi, mumblecore sci-fi. So yeah. Shane Carruth is also the director of Primer, and he influenced Ryan Johnson, gave him advice on how to do the time travel in Looper. Oh, so I'm thinking of Primer. Yeah, you're thinking of Primer. Yeah. Yeah. Because that's that's the way I'd like to see kind of... I mean, this is obviously just my preference. I'm sure people are enjoying devs, but I'd like a more low-key, kind of lo-fi, slightly more off the wall. But then that's just my personal taste, I think. I don't know. I mean, the thing is, the characters kind of do have conversations, whether it's in the coffee shops or at the desk. They're always making speeches. They're always making bloody speeches. Yeah, but isn't it because isn't it because the I mean there was one scene in it I think where the character Katie because there's an element where they do this kind of um, Ocean's Eleven kind of um, heist recruitment scene where um, I think um, the Forest character is looking for a new uh, person to work on a project and he's introduced to Katie the first time and the first way they oh yeah 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 in the classroom yeah Yeah, and she's and she's basically. She's listening to the lecturer, but she's going against everything the lecturer is saying. So yeah, I think yeah. there's an element of each character has their own specific scientific belief, even yeah. though they are working on the same project. Because the young boy um, who's androgynous, who is called Lyndon, also works alongside a very elderly man. Um, yeah, yeah. I yeah, can't remember his Huh? Yeah, yeah. yeah I can't most... remember what the elderly man's name is. Does it sound like we're waiting for some kind of twist plot? Yeah, the the I think what it is, the they've set the film up in the they set the series up in a way that anything can potentially happen, but one specific thing has to happen, and I think that's a strange dichotomy because they're saying the multiverse exists, everybody um, is in everywhere at the same time. But we are following this one plot. And there was this interesting, I think in episode five, it opens up 
with the uh, it kind of shows this kind of multiverse understanding where you see the main character Lily Chan get up out of her bed and walk across the room and there's like yeah, multiple yeah. layers of how she used to get up every day in her flat and you get to see multiple layers of her ex-boyfriend in different parts of the flat he's my so favorite. I love can, Jamie Jamie's yeah. my favourite yeah, and you get not to not see, you. yeah, not you, so, Jamie. Yeah, so, yeah, so, oh, man. I, I yeah. almost felt your love there, man. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's still there in a subliminal way. But the, um, the, the, the Jamie character is the ex boyfriend who kind of got ghosted or dumped and he yeah. doesn't know why. And she, need, she needs him back in his life to kind of help with the investigation. And her yeah. current boyfriend, who's gone missing, is called Sergei. But there's a very interesting opening to episode five where you're looking at the flat, but you're seeing layers of film over each other where one character's walking in front of the other. And you kind of see how she broke up with Jamie in different movements and how she got together with Sergei in the same space. And it kind of, it's a, I think it was a clever way of doing the exposition and showing the premise of um, multiverse at the same time, yeah. which I think that fit the show specifically. That that was my least favorite episode, actually. Really? <laughs> yeah, well, it, it was all it was all flashback. It was it was the, it was Katie just watching kind of stuff that happened. Yeah, it was pure exposition <laughs> as well. And also, also, when um when Jamie rescues um Lily, yeah. <laughs> Is that the most underwritten escape attempt ever? I mean, escape ever. You, oh, see, you first that, see that he's going to his, um, uh, rescue her when he's in the room over yeah. a bed. Yeah, like, yeah, yeah. Up, and then you see him go out the window, and that's it. Yeah. It's like, and it's, it's, that was actually out. <laughs> well, like, I don't think I had trouble to get her. And yeah. then. He yeah. just climbed in the window and out again. Yeah, out of, out of everything that happened in the series, I think that was the most implausible because at every stage of the show, you've shown that he's like five or six inches shorter than his ex-girlfriend and he's not much cop in a fight and somehow he's lifting his girlfriend who's almost comatose out of drugs out of a window and carrying her, I don't know, however many hundred yards to his car for a getaway. Yeah. But um, I think there was one character that impressed me as well uh, called Kenton. He was played by Zach Grenier, who is supposed to be like this yeah. hardened, grizzled, ex-CIA tough guy who's basically become the head of security for Amaya. And you think he's just like a background um, character who's just there to kind of dot the I's and cross the T's. But it turns out he's got more of a sinister role of sweeping things away and getting rid of people. And then sometimes even having to kind of get violent towards ex-employees or potential um, espionage. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> So I don't give too much away. Instead of his time being violent to someone. <laughs> yeah. So I think the Kenton character like brings the sci- the thriller to the sci-fi and creates a lot of menace. And it's very interesting that he's the least um, technically minded out of all of the characters because he hasn't really got a concern for how the IT works, but how much yeah. um, he's got more of a concern about how much of a scandal is going to come out and reflect on himself. So yeah, yeah. he's really just kind of putting out fires and spinning plates at the same time. So um, I think we're getting there to the, to wrap up the show. I mean, hopefully you said quite a lot about it to kind of give you some insight. 
Um, but um, Jamie, I mean, I, I say this is a series which is kind of upstream colour meets Black Mirror in a kind of, or the day-to-day um, um, minutiae of Black Mirror. But does this sound like a series that would be interesting for you to watch? It kind of does, actually, because it's only just come out, right? It only just came out in, like, March. But yeah, it's yeah. streaming, streaming. It's all so, right, Cool. Um, yeah. Yeah, I probably will um, drop in and have a look. I'll, I'll see how it goes in the first couple of episodes, and if it holds my attention, it yeah. holds my attention. I, um, I otherwise, say, I'll just skip to the end. <laughs> I, I will say one thing, though. Um, Devs, uh, <laughs> Devs has been touted as um, having a season two, so it could be a series worth investing in. And there's an inside joke um, in the story, which I think is probably an inside joke for the writer. There's a joke. Where, there's a joke. Yeah, yeah. So, <laughs> I don't the, know, so, I don't so oh, you haven't, you, haven't, you haven't seen up to this bit yet. But um, basically, there's an inside joke that the creator or Forrest has um, he 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 called the project Devs specifically because the V is a Roman V. Which means, which is actually an English or Latin yes. U. Oh. Yeah, so it means Deus, and uh, oh. that means God. And um, if you know that Alex Garland's made the series, sorry, made the feature film Ex Machina, Deus yeah. Ex Machina is a phrase that means God in the machine, and that means um, it's an inner storytelling world. That means there, is, there, there is a Christian thing going on here. Yeah, we'll get to the Christian thing no, in a second. A multiverse, without a multiverse, we've just got a single universe, then it's almost definite there's a creator. In fact, yeah, yeah, yeah. That's, well, why the, the multi- that's why the multiverse the theory was invented, to explain our yeah. universe, because it seemed to be set to such a, um, the, the universal constant was set to such a degree that it was yeah. impossible, it was just by chance. It could only mm. be through being one of them. Um, an infinite variety of other, uh, an infinite number of other universes yeah. that we can make that, um, thing makes sense. Uh, the thing is, I'm trying to remember what you've seen, but I might be spoiling this for you, Stephen. So they they oh. do go back in the, the computer simulation and look at the Jesus Christ thing, but as a polar opposite, they also look at the Big Bang theory as oh, well. Okay, I haven't so, seen that yet. Yeah, yeah, so I don't want to say too much, but the but there's a it's interesting the way they see it because that the way they get to see that compared to the way they saw the what was supposed to be the Messiah is very interesting. And then they make some references about um, tech uh, geniuses or the heads of tech companies see themselves as Messiahs as well. So there is a kind of a, a Christian uh, kind of uh, demigod idea going on throughout the stories undercurrent. But um, going back to the, the internal joke, like I said, um, do sex machina is... Um, a phrase that means like God in a machine and it's a story writing uh, criticism uh, that some people use, uh, obviously going back to Greek times about how to resolve the end of place. But if you have not seen Ex Machina, the film, it might be a good idea to watch that film before the series to kind of get a taste of what type of world this is. And I don't think it will spoil your enjoyment of watching the series either. Okay, noted. I will watch Ex Machina. Can I just say one more thing before we go? Go for it, yeah. For machine in devs that are all kind of, that everything's based around. Yeah. Uh, there's a 1965 episode of Doctor Who called yeah. The Chase. Okay. And in the, first ten, in the first 10 minutes of the episode, 
Doctor wheels out his space-time visualizer, which oh, is wow. basically the machine from Debs. <laughs> but so they're able to him you. and the TARDIS crew sit around <laughs> for a bit of a comedy scene, look yeah. at different scenes from history, and okay. then they go off and fight the Daleks. Yeah. So it's interesting. What? Doctor Who chucked that idea away in ten minutes in nineteen sixty four. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I, I, I think, and considering that it came out in March, um, yeah. e- because of um, you know Easter is around like March April time. So I think if you're a big fan of sci-fi, I think this series has got a lot of Easter eggs. If you remember the premises of other I've shows just, and yeah, other films I've, before. I've seen, I've, there are other kind of um, things in it that I've seen that. I, I'm pretty sure Alex Garland must like Doctor Who, especially Douglas Adams' Doctor Who, because there's the scene where the, the um, with the rat when it comes back and forth to life. Yeah, yeah. That is taken from a, almost this. It's the same sort of uh, machine that they use. It's from a Doctor Who story written by Douglas Adams. Yeah, yeah, I'm yeah. Pretty yeah. Sure he's stolen it from that. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> when we post this, we'll probably have to put a thread in our Twitter page yeah. of how many other references uh, this is to have other series and films that have come before it. But yeah, Doctor Who's, I'm sure it's like really high up there and I wouldn't be surprised if <laughs> Alex Garland was a Doctor Who fan himself. Um, so guys, thanks for joining me on this journey into the future <laughs> and into the multiverse on devs. So thanks for coming back and being part of a review sweat, Stephen. Okay, no problem. And thanks for listening in and being part of this review sweat too and adding your insight as well, Jane. Hey, hey, pleasure's all mine. Now, if you are interested in Geek Sweat or our other episodes or where you may choose to find them, feel free to go into your Google search or your text box search and put at G-E-E-K-S-W-E-A-T, that's at Geek Sweat, and you'll be able to find us on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook. We are also broadcasting our episodes on CastBox FM, Acast, Spotify, Apple Podcasts and 20 other platforms for you to find. So if you're not sure if we're there, just type in Geek Sweat and we'll see you there. Thanks for listening. This is another episode of Geek Sweat. Ciao for now. Ciao. Bye.